is not predicated or driven by our strength. It's actually learned in our weakness while we were without strength. See, for a lot of us, isn't it true we feel loved by God when we feel strong, we're spiritually strong while we have this thing together? Listen, it says, we know that we're loved while you had no strength, while you were weak. When do you feel closest to God? Is it when life is falling apart around you or when all is well and moving along smoothly? Today, Pastor Daniel will share that while you may feel the presence of God more in the good times, it's the struggles that remind you of his strength. Your weakness requires him to be your rock, the one you can cling to for safety and comfort. Jesus promises to always be the strength you need in every situation. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 5 as he continues his message, What's Your Experience? that a child has access to their parents. I just had this just the other day. My bride, Lynn, she was away with a Maranatha. You know, so I had Annabelle and Obadiah at home. It was a blast. Somebody said, oh, so you're being super dad this week? I'm like, I'm always super dad. But that's beside the point. But sure enough, Annabelle woke up four o'clock in the morning. Dad, dad, and guess what? Dad was there, right? And she just missed me. So she wanted to get a hug and a pat on the head and go back to bed now, sweetie. I'm tired. You know, and so, but like a child has access. Do you realize that in Christ you have complete and total access to God? I mean, think about how powerful that is. Do you lack wisdom? Guess what? You have access to the wisest person who ever lived. Are you struggling to understand what's happening right now? Guess what? You have access to the Alpha and the Omega who holds all of time in your hands. Right? It's like in Christ, because of the finished work of Jesus, you have unlimited access to the presence of the Father and you're accepted in the beloved. And that to me, it's like when someone said, listen, you get access to the Father and peace with God by faith in Jesus. I'm like, I'll take that. Sign me up for that. I want that access. You realize right now, no matter what you're going through, you have access to the Father in Christ. There's nothing hindering that access because of Jesus. And now that you have Peace, and you have access, but then also look what else it says. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You have joy. And I like to say that joy is a disposition of the heart that knows that God is God and that I am not. Joy is what happens when you and I realize that because of Jesus, we have peace with God, we have access to God, and now, guess what? I have joy in my situations. And brothers and sisters, listen, joy is the fruit of a life in Christ. And listen, there's a lot of things that fight to steal our joy. Can we just be honest about that? See, we're talking about experience. We don't believe in any experience is a good experience. We believe in discerning experiences. Does that make sense? And there's a lot of things that we do that are pleasurable momentarily, but actually steal your joy. Right? And for each one of us, we have to be honest about those things. Like, that's something, because the Bible says that that's a sin, 
right? That that steals my joy. But guess what? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what it says in Psalm 1611. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand is pleasure forevermore. That's Psalm 1611. Think about how powerful that is. That you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand is pleasure forever. You realize that for you and I, if you're in Christ, God's presence is his present to you. Because when you're in Christ, Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, that the spirit of God dwells in you, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, that no matter where you go, no matter what goes on, God is always there. So the problem is not, God, I need you to show up here. The problem is, God, you're already here. You were here before I got here. And God, will you make me aware of your presence? And for a lot of us, we forget that in the midst of the struggles of life. When you're stressed out at work, my friends, guess what? Jesus was already there. When you're getting into it with your family, maybe it's your sweetie or your spouse, or when your kids are making you go gray while you talk to them, Jesus is already there. You don't need to say, oh, Lord, please show up here. Now, sometimes people, you know, again, it's so interesting when you talk about the overly theological as opposed to the experiential. When people say, well, why do we want the Holy Spirit to touch down? He's already here. It's like, yeah, but at the same time, for the disciples, you read the book of Acts, they were already in the Spirit. They were baptized in the Spirit, and then the Spirit stirred in unique ways. So, you know, sometimes in our overly theological ways, we become actually not theological at all. Because the Spirit of God is always there, but sometimes the Spirit of God wants to do something unique. But right away, off of the top, we see that we have peace, and we have access, and we have joy. Now, is that your experience? In Christ, are you living out the reality of the peace that surpasses all understanding? Peace with God that leads to the peace of God. You have access to God right where you are, right in the situation that you're in, and that that leads to a great joy. And what's interesting is it says here in verse 2, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And because now the Apostle Paul has brought up that we rejoice in hope of God's glory, a glory that we are sinning and falling short of now, this future hope. But then Paul runs further. He says in verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, verse 3, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now what we learn, how we experience God is that we get to hope in tribulation. We get to hope in tribulation. See, what we realize quite honestly is that Peace with God does not necessarily mean peace with other people or peace with the circumstances of our lives. And that's a hard truth, isn't it? That sometimes we're surprised that we're, God has made peace with us through the cross, but that doesn't mean that we have peace in every other area of our life. Peace with God does not equal peace with other people. It doesn't equal peace with the circumstances of our lives. And so what do we do? We have peace with God, but then we live in the real world. With all these issues, with, with struggles and problems and all these things. And it says, but not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What? Don't you love it when the Bible talks crazy like that? I call that crazy talk. Because 
I remember the first time I read these things, I'd be like, what? We glory, and I've never once met someone when something bad, like they get in a car accident, they get in the car like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm so happy I got in this accident right now. Could you imagine if somebody hit you and they did that? You'd want to hit them again. Like, it's like, you just like, excuse me? Like, all of a sudden, you go get back from the doctor, and the doctor's like, man, you are so sick right now. I mean, you, it's amazing you're standing upright, and you're like, yes, I love this. It's crazy talk, but it's biblical crazy talk. Why? Because we realize that in the real world, because of our faith in Jesus, that these issues all of a sudden start a chain reaction that leads us to a different spot. See, we're not talking here about just stoically embracing tribulation as part of what happens. But what we learn here is that we glory in tribulations. Why? Because tribulations produce perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So the chain reaction is from issues to hope. And that's why I say we can hope in tribulations. Because I don't know what you're going through right now, but here's what I want to tell you, that when you go through something, that thing you're going through gives you an opportunity to learn how to be persevering, to be a steadfast person. Guess what? Perseverance is in short supply today. You don't like your spouse, you get a new one. You don't like your car, you get a new one. You decide that your church is asking too much of you, you get a new one. You decide that your friends are not the type of people you want anymore, and you get a new one, right? It's a multi-billion dollar industry of learning how not to persevere at this point. You know, it's amazing. My father-in-law, Lynn's dad, he's 75 years old, and he's had exactly one washer and dryer set in his entire life. From the 70s, he still got it, and the thing still runs. It's an amazing thing. And the color's a little outdated, you know, mind you. But it's funny because he's got this guy who literally, he comes every like two years and replaces the belts, and the thing works perfectly. Now, meanwhile, I see servicemen at my house for my appliances about once every other week at this point. And I was talking to the service guy, great guy. He might even be here today. He's, he comes across the roads and he's like, hey, Pastor Daniel. Hey, what's your name? And we started talking. It's so funny. He's like, listen. I'm like, man, he's like, we're always over here. I'm like, yes, you guys are. And he's like, man, it's no good. These, all these appliances, they're actually, they, they're built to break down. Just, you know, and I was telling the story about my father-in-law. He's like, you should ask your father-in-law if he'll trade you. He's like, because that thing will run forever. And all the time I'll go to our, my father, I'm like, hey, Paul, man, you got to get a new washer and dryer, man. They don't eat that color went out of style in 1981. And he's like, man, why would I want to get rid of it? The thing works like a charm. See, but guess what? Right as something goes down, you're like, man, I better get me a new one. But listen, when you go through tribulations, it teaches you perseverance. You don't actually have to learn how to be a persevering person until you go through something. And if you follow Jesus and you walk with him and you realize that because of Jesus, you have peace with God and you have access to God and now you have joy. Now the tribulation happens. You're like, aha, this thing is going to produce perseverance in my life. And if you learn in issues how to be persevering, it will lead to character. A way of seeing the world where you say, listen, Left out to my own device, I want to get hysterical. I want to get rid of everything. But I trust in my God who I'm experiencing and walking with every day. And this tribulation is going to produce perseverance. And if I keep persevering, guess what? I'm going to have some character. And character is in short supply today. Because we don't know how to persevere. And so we're always 
swapping something out rather than working through the issues. And then when you learn how to work through the issues, you know what character produces? It produces hope. And then you land in a situation, we talked about this many times and previously in the last message, hope, H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. It's really trusting God in the midst of a situation that's hard to trust God in. Now, what I love is this chain reaction. James says the same thing. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says it this way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See what James is saying? He's saying, listen, rejoice when you have issues. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces patience, which is The ability to persevere while staying there. And then patience has its perfect work that you may be perfect or fully mature. Complete. Without lack. Now, why can he say that you will... Perfect literally means to full maturity. Fully grown up. Complete. Lacking nothing. Why would he say that? Because when you, brothers and sisters, when I learn how to hope in tribulation... The reason we lack nothing is because we have everything because we have Jesus. When we have Jesus and we realize that God is always with us. And even in the tribulation, it's not that Jesus isn't there. He is there. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. When our tribulations lead us to have a view beyond this life. To true eternity. And all of a sudden, we look at these situations and we say to ourselves, you know what? God's going to do a good work here. God's got a plan here. And when you're in that place, it doesn't matter what you go through. Because when you go through those things, you begin to realize this is not the only life that there is. There's a deeper thing going on than just these circumstances. And really what the problem that we have today is, is that for so many of us, we live our lives on the surface. Like we never get past our reactions to the situations that we have. And I'll be honest with you. I battle every day not to just react to these situations that I deal with every day. I always like to tell our staff, you know, we talk about simply responding to Jesus here. Discipleship is Jesus transforming our natural reactions to biblical responses. That's what discipleship is. It's the spirit of God transforming our normal, natural ways of reacting to the environment and literally transforming them into biblical responses. And brothers and sisters, when you're being discipled by Jesus, when you're a learner of Jesus, when you are yoked to Jesus, and I'm not talking about yoked being all like jacked up strong, but when you're with Jesus, you're super yoked. You don't even realize the strongest men who ever lived. That's a different discussion. But literally, when that happens and all of a sudden tribulation happens, trials come, and you, you begin to hope. You begin to say, oh, listen, my God, this is happening, so I learn how to persevere. And if I learn how to persevere, I'm going to become a person of character. And a person of character who's been formed in the fires of trusting the Lord in difficult circumstances. That person is a person of radical hope. And then it says, hope does not disappoint. Verse 5. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
For when we were still without strength in due time, verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not only do we rejoice in tribulation, you know what you realize when you're justified, when you're saved? You realize that you are loved. You realize that you're loved. See, the tribulation doesn't say that you're not loved. The tribulation says that you are truly loved. And that's why you hope in it. See, because right, say, hope lands. And he's like, but hope is not disappointing at all. Why? Because God's love has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Right? See, the reason hope is not pie in the sky, but hope is real, is because right now, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit has poured God's love upon your heart. Even if you can get quiet enough in the midst of all the struggles to hear the still small voice of God, or if you can muster up enough faith to read God's word in the midst of a hard situation, what you hear is, you are loved. And if you don't believe him, look what it says. You're like, well, listen, that might be for you, Fusco, because you're a pastor, or you're this or that. Listen, but when we were still without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, now we're learning about the quality or the characteristics of God's love. See, it's been poured out by the Spirit, but what is the quality of this love? Notice first, we learn that while we were without strength. So God's love is not predicated or driven by our strength. It's actually learned in our weakness while we were without strength. See, for a lot of us, isn't it true we feel loved by God when we feel strong, we're spiritually strong while we have this thing together? Listen, it says, we know that we're loved while you had no strength, while you were weak. God does not need our strength for us to experience his love. We realize that we are powerless while we were without strength in due time. I love this. God's love's timely. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians that at the right time, Jesus came. God's timing is so perfect. I was just talking to someone about this. This gets me so excited because you realize when you start to study history, especially history of around the time of Jesus, that God's wisdom in bringing Jesus at the time that he did was brilliant for a lot of reasons. Obviously because God did it and of course it's brilliant. But if you think about it from like a purely pragmatic logistical sense, you realize that the Greeks and the Romans did a number of things that allowed Christianity to move through the entire known world very quickly. First, the Romans were really big on infrastructure. They spent lots of time building roads. And by the time Jesus was born, by the time the early church was doing their missionary work, there was well-established trade routes that could get the gospel out to everywhere. God was pretty smart. Don't miss the fact that the Greek Empire, the Hellenization process, you may not have heard that word since high school history class. But literally what the Greeks did was they decided that they were going to have everybody speak their language. And so they translated all the classic books of all the different cultures into Greek. And so it's not by chance that your New Testament was written in Greek. Because everybody read it. It was the common language. Everybody had it. God's wise in sending Jesus into a world where there's all these different cultures. They had one common language. The bulk of the people spoke Greek. See, God's timing is perfect. You know, what's also really beautiful is I was talking to someone about the advances in technology. I'm like, well, listen. And I brought this up because I've been thinking about it because I've been, you know, getting ready to preach it and getting excited about it. Is that actually, it's amazing 
the fact that we live in a day and age where we can get the gospel out everywhere at every moment. And I love the fact that God, who reigns sovereign, I mean, people use technology for all sorts of things. At God's perfect time, these things can happen. And I love that because oftentimes I think we don't understand what God is doing. But when you know that you have peace with him, you know you have access to him, you can rejoice in the circumstances you have. Why? Because you know that you can hope in tribulation because those things produce hope. Then, brothers and sisters, we can begin to trust in God's timely love. You realize if God didn't want you to be in the situation you're in right now, you wouldn't be. And God doesn't love you less because you're in this situation. God's timing is perfect. God is like the ultimate musician. He always drops into his part at the perfect time. God's always right on point. God's in the pocket, as we would say. A bass player who's in the pocket is just like, just is so funky, right? Someone who's out of the pocket, it's not right. If someone's out of time, it sounds cacophonous. God is always right on time. And God's love is timely. And not only that, it says that Christ died for the ungodly. Talk about the quality of God's love. God doesn't only love people who he agrees with. I mean, God is godly. That's where the word comes from. But God loves the ungodly. And brothers and sisters, if there was ever a message for this generation today, God invites you and I to love everybody no matter what they are. They're not your style. It's not your job to tell this is what you're supposed to be. Listen, you're supposed to love them. And then you could talk to them about all sorts of things. And one of the greatest errors that we have, and it's ripping our culture apart, and the Bible says that a house divided against itself can't stand, makes us, me really nervous when I look at our culture today. Is the thing is, is people think I can only love you as if you agree with me. And I'm here to tell you, that's not true anywhere. And that's not the way God's love is. And if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, your job is to love other people. And in love, you speak the truth to them. But when you don't love them, you try and speak the truth to them. It's just brutality. It just hurts people. God loves the ungodly. And then it's so powerful because really what it says here is then Paul is just like, Jesus died for the ungodly. And then he says about how amazing God's love is. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. He's like, listen, man, like for a righteous person, I mean, maybe someone would die for them. And a good person, you know, maybe not, you know. And then he says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Do you realize that Jesus died for you while we were still sinners? And for me, he didn't say, listen, go fix everything. I want to love you right here, right now, because it's God's love that transforms us. And you think about what it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Jesus is Have you considered that Jesus' life and death happened at the perfect time? Pastor Daniel shared today how the events happening at this time were orchestrated so well to have the gospel begin spreading in a common language. Only God could have arranged that. He's still putting the pieces of the world together now, fitting events and people and places together to continue to advance his kingdom. And he's inviting you to be a part of it. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel tells the stories of two men. The first was given everything he would ever need, a place to live and enjoy, plenty of good food to eat, and a companion to share it with. Even with all that, he still chose the forbidden, allowing evil to forever taint the world. That's why the story of the second man is so important. He chose to leave the comfort of heaven to save you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Life Intention. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.